Well, hi, folks. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I am Reverend Matthew Schultz. We hope that you're doing well here um, at uh, What Divines Us. Ho, ho, ho. Merry December. <laughs> God. Wishing you and yours a, a time <laughs> of, of non-religious specificity. It doesn't have the ring to it. No, uh, other holiday same. greetings yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry, yeah, we haven't been probably recording as much as we should. You know, we're full-time clergy. Uh, we're pretty busy, especially Matt right now. Well, your your busy month is uh, fall. It's like you know, it's around September, October, that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're just wrapping up your busy time when there's like a brief gap, and then I start my busy time. So I think yeah. this happened last year too. We kind of hit a. Like the the one two punch of religious seasons. Sure, yeah. yeah. So. so that makes sense. It, yeah. it gets a little much, and there's always uh, more to do. I remember when I was in seminary, and I had a mentor in my field ed, and he said, at most jobs you have you know ten things to do in a day, and you have to prioritize them so you get the five important ones done, and then the next five you put off until you're ready. And he said, as a pastor, my experience has been. This is his words to me. Every day you have 10 things to do. They are all absolutely essential yep. and urgent to be yep. done that day. And you just won't get five of them done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even five. Yeah. I, they are st- they're just as important, but you got to put them off. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and so you just go home and stress about it. Like this podcast, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should have gotten to this earlier. Yeah, Sorry. we should have. But we try. It was uh, definitely high in the priority list every day. Yeah, and yeah. Other but there's things that get in the way. Yeah, but there are just so many things, and people just love meetings, and and sometimes do they love meetings? Do people love that? Well, the, if you based your opinions just on how many exist, uh-huh. you would think, yeah, right. There, right, there are right. so many of them. People right. must love them, but no, they are a a necessary thing to do. I won't say evil, but they're a necessary <laughs> thing. <laughs> But yes. the thing is, oftentimes a meeting will start, and I'm being all grouchy and grinchy about it. And then at the end of the meeting, I say to myself, oh, wow, that was really good. Like, that was super important, and all those people were awesome, and I'm really glad I did that. So I, I shouldn't be You didn't, like, think yourself, that meeting could have been an email. I mean, no, we've all said classic, that sometimes. But I classic saw, statement. I saw a thing online, which is so true to me, which was I say to myself, that meeting could have been an email, and then I check my inbox, and there's, like, 200 unread messages in it. So... <laughs> Why would anyone send me an email? <laughs> right. Ah, that's how you get to Matt through meetings, not through email. Or, yeah, just throw a rock through my window or something. Uh, disclaimer, don't throw a rock through my window. It's a nice window. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky I have a window that faces the sun. This time of year, the sun only is up for like five minutes. And sure. When yeah. it's up, it shines in my window on my face. And oh, that's nice. Soak that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, things going on in the world. I mean, uh, Christmas one is one of them. things going Let's on. Let's start with Christmas just because that's where my brain has been. Yes. Yours not so much, <laughs> I figure. But, not um, really, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole tsunami. It's a cultural event that just happens all over the place, and sometimes it feels like um, this momentum. I think I might have told this story before, but when I was in college, I went to Times Square for New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. And we were able to get close enough to um, see the ball dropping. But your arms are pinned down on both sides because people are packed in so tight. Ooh. And like a fire hazard? Oh, for sure. Well, you're outdoors. Oh, but, right, um, right, right, right. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of hazard. But, but hazard? because of that, and so many people are trying to push in from various sides, you're moving. I'm doing a visual aid. No one can see me. But it's it's yeah. as if you're in... Um, the ocean, when the waves come in and out, yes, you're just being like push pushed you. back and forth and left and right based on the current of the people. 
And when it was time when, to leave. When was this? To, no, 1994. Ah, so, like, well before COVID. It would have been 94 or 95, yeah. <laughs> and um, but just so you go where the people go, and then when it was time to go, like, after the ball dropped and everyone celebrated for a few minutes, we we joined hands. We all took hands of the rest of our group. There were, like, ten of us, and we just got swept out, almost like you jumped in a river, Whoa. and you're cast downstream, but like the water is people. Like a river of people. That's what Christmas feels like to me. A river of people. It's just this river of activities, and <laughs> some of it is right in the heart of the church work here. Some of it is just cultural out there that, you know, you got to buy gifts, and you got to decorate this and that, and there's all these other things going on throughout. And so... I've noticed, I have noticed a lot of decoration when it comes to Christmas. Yep. Yeah. And again, that's not usually religious, right? It's not like people are saying, boy, I love Jesus so much that I'm going to put a light up on my garage, right? That, there's no connection between those things. It's just a cultural fun thing. I don't have any problem Gosh, with it. Actually, like, we should have a, a segment, like, is it religious? And I ask you. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> a Santa Claus, like, on a, on a lawn, is it religious? Well, again, see, that's it. my answer to everything is maybe because, of course, Santa Claus is based on St. Nicholas. Uh-huh. And St. Nicholas was a real guy who, uh-huh. who literally punched somebody at a uh, church council where they were trying to decide on the theology of the day. Isn't that like, cool? And his, and his white glove that he wears, <laughs> like, with, like that? I don't think he wore those. I don't oh, think he actually, oh. he didn't really live at the North Pole. He's from Turkey, so I don't think he this wore a parka in Turkey. the myth that I've always understood. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And he, he doesn't punch people much anymore. Okay, how about wreaths on doors? Is that religious? Uh, again, well, again, the answer to all these is going to be sort of. Like, they get, they get co-opted here and there. I think the wreath began as a non-Christian symbol. I could be wrong. Oh. This. There's a handful of things that did begin... You know, in other religions, and we kind of blended them in with ours. Not, not usually. It's not usually like an intentional saying, hey, hey, "We'll take that and make it our own thing." But I think reeds actually did start as a more pagan thing, where it was just bringing the life of greenery into the home or near the home. And nice. it's it's a nice idea, really. I mean, it's, it's a great thing. And then yeah, it just we got became part of the Christmas tidal wave, <laughs> like so many things do. <laughs> wait, wait, okay. Ornaments on trees is that religious? Bringing the tree into the house did, I think that did begin as a Christian thing with Christmas time, probably around the 1500s, if I remember correctly. And I'm then, sure I'm wrong. Please fact check. And I'm they sure didn't I'm look good that. enough, so they had to put things on the trees. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, for this all is just these a boring things, tree, we need to add things yeah. to it. Yes, we could list like everything about Christmas, and all of them, <laughs> none of them start intentionally as people saying, "Okay, time to write the Christmas traditions down." Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it all it all evolved and morphed over the course of centuries, and it went back and forth. Yeah, and, I mean, I have a Judaism too. I totally right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Christmas wasn't a big deal for the first several hundred years. I mean, and Hanukkah then it, still isn't that big of a deal. Right, FYI. Yeah. yeah. And Christmas ebbs and flows, and it's huge in the U.S. right now, not because of religious fervor, but because of consumerism. Uh-huh. It's a great selling point. I mean, it's you got sex, drugs, and Christmas. What else are you going to sell with? <laughs> three, three things we love? Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> so... That's that's been a big chunk of my distraction and my work and both of those things overlapping. Um, and then I was watching a movie and there's going to be a spoiler coming up. And this is oh, a segue. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, this is my segue to talk about the Wait, war oh, in, in the Middle East. I've seen the movie. What movie are you talking about? There's a movie on Netflix called Leave the World Behind. Yes, I need uh, by Samuel Sam Esmail is the uh, director. Um, I forget, but the directing was really cool. 
The same I guy that directed Mr. Robot, that one? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. My son is going to be mad at me because he loves that guy. Okay. Who did Mr. Robot was an amazing show, right? Yeah. And the I didn't direct- like the last season, but yes, it was a good show. I'll, yeah. So do you mind a, a spoiler about that movie? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's let's do it. Let me see if I can if I can cloak it. I mean, the reality is I've got a I've got a two year old and I got a seven year old. I can't tell you yeah. when I'm going to get to this movie. So you know. So there there are three things that fit this. Um, in that one of the one of the factors of the movie is that there's big mystery um, going on, and you'll see the same thing in the. Um, uh, oh, what's the zombie show? Walking Dead. Yeah. The same thing where some some big event took place, right? Uh-huh. And the big event is the big event, but what the story is really about is how are people going to treat each other? Oh, yes. Right? And so that was a major theme of this movie. It's a theme of almost every zombie film. Yeah, right? For it's sure. like it's yeah. like it could be it's zombies happened or zombies, it could be a meteor is attacking or aliens. Yeah, are like, yeah. But what it comes down to is this other thing. And then um, Doctor Who. Yeah. Had its third of three specials that just aired. It was really good. And Those um, holiday specials. There's a Christmas one on, uh, comes out, I think, on Christmas Day. But they had three specials with David Tennant returning to the role. No way. Yes, it's so good, oh. Doctor Donna, because Donna Donna uh, Noble was back also. Noble Temple. Um, but in the last one, the 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 bad guy's ploy was had a, like a mind trick thing going on, a broadcast that made everyone believe they were right and they would not compromise on that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so everyone that's, that's is out right. on the street rioting and fighting each other, saying, you can't tell me that. And the woman in charge of trying to, to bring control to all this, she was saying to the doctor when the doctor showed up, you know, I fought aliens and we fought robots, we fought all these disasters, but how do I save Earth? How do I save humans from themselves? Yeah. The bad guy was how we treat each other. And now I just saw a trailer today for a new movie coming out uh, in the summer. Star, uh, one of the stars in it is Nick Offerman, who plays yeah. is going to be playing the president. What, what in movie? That. What's it called? It's called Civil War, and it's about the U.S. having another civil war. Like a not the past civil, like a new civil. It's war. It's set probably next year. You know, Wait, and Nick Offerman playing a president. Yeah, yeah, and it's well, and it that. looks like it could be terrible. It could be fine. I don't yeah. know. On one hand, I thought to myself, why would you make a movie about something that seems Very, so possible and yeah, terrifying? Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but also, what it came down to was, in that trailer, you could see what it was coming down to is how are people treating each other? Right. And are right. we just at each other's throats all the time? And there's this exchange between two of the main characters in the movie where the, the soldier has a family at gunpoint and the, the, the guy in the family says, we're Americans. And the soldier holding the gun says, what kind of Americans? And it's haunting, right? And I feel like that's what we're asking each other all these days. I was driving through traffic yesterday and, you know, there was... Oh, my gosh. And the the lanes were non-existent. And the snowbanks were in from all sides. And the ground had not been plowed at all. So everyone's fished For our listeners that aren't in in Anchorage, there's probably one or two of you, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a huge snowfall uh, on Tuesday few days ago yeah and in yeah so we we're always dealing with that and it wasn't till wednesday that this happened that i was driving and it still yeah. hadn't been plowed yeah and i was at a four-way stop and it was the kind of thing where everyone was waiting for each other and waving each other oh, on it was lovely yeah, right and you're lovely. thinking this is yeah. great not 10 minutes later I'm, I'm further away from that spot in a different section of town and people are just i mean if you could bite someone's like car they would have huh? been biting each other's yeah, car yeah, yeah they were just like I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see someone in the back of a pickup truck with a harpoon just stabbing other cars <laughs> just oh going ah you know it was it was well, like, the pickup truck because that feels right to me too 
All right, listen, disclaimer. <laughs> I got a real issue with pickup trucks, people. Every time there's someone doing something knuckleheaded in traffic, I feel like it's a pickup truck. And did you know there are studies about this? Are there really? Yes. Proving that the anecdotal evidence to be correct? As, as to why pickup trucks are a bad idea. Oh, okay. One of them is it gives the driver a sense of invincibility, which makes them a danger to everyone else on the road, including themselves, because it's false can, invincibility. Can I just say that, like, the amount of pickup trucks I've seen upside down is more right. than fingers than I have. You Every know year, I mean? the first couple of yeah. Uh, yeah. snowfalls, you I've always see all the cars in the ditches, and it's almost down. always trucks. Yeah, pickup trucks, upside down. Yeah. I've seen them. I've never seen a Subaru stuck in a ditch. I've never that's seen a I, Prius upside down on I, the side I, of the road. I'm a Subaru driver, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my, yeah. Have you gotten stuck my, in a ditch? Uh, no. There you go. Of, yeah. But I guarantee you I've seen at least four per winter pickup yeah. trucks stuck in the snow or, or upside down on the median or who knows where. Yeah. And then the reasons people say they buy the pickup trucks, which are harmful because they make you feel invincible and cause damage, also because they are gas guzzlers, right? So they're sure. bad for the environment. People say, yeah, but I need it so I don't get stuck in the snow. Statistics show that's false. Uh, I need it so that I um, can haul things. Statistics show that that's people... That's the same reason though, to haul things. If it was actually used that way, yes. Yeah. But they've done surveys of pickup truck owners, and they say, how frequently do you haul things in your truck? And they're like, oh, once a year. Really? And then, what did you haul? And they're like, uh, I bought a new TV, and it's like, would that TV have fit, like, maybe in the trunk of a station wagon or in the back section of a station wagon? They're like, yeah, probably. I just assume that everyone who buys a pickup truck is hauling things all the time. I think that's... I think that's the L.L. Bean principle, right? Where you buy adventure gear. No, the REI, the REI principle. You go in there thinking, I'm going to go to REI because I want to be an adventurer. (laughs) I'm going to buy a bunch of carabiners and rope or something. (laughs) Which you can get at REI, by the way. Different kinds of rope for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This episode is sponsored by (laughs) REI. Pretend that you go on adventures. <laughs> yeah, I think you go in there and you think, yeah, I'm going to buy a tent and then I'll be motivated to go camping. And then yeah. that tent sits in your garage forever. So I think people do that pickup truck. You're like, wow, I live in Alaska. I've got a dog. I should have a pickup truck. Yeah. Right? It's part of the set. I guess that feels and then And then they just drive around in it. They, they, they go to work at the office and back, and they go to Fred Meyer, and they're like, oh, I'll put the groceries in the back of my truck. And say, like, okay, well, you could have done that in a Volkswagen Beetle. So, yeah. But, but, but I guess, Matt, what kind of American are you? Exactly. <laughs> Not a very good one, I guess. Well, yeah, so that brings us back. Those three shows, let's put aside my my uh, classism against pickup trucks, whatever it is. <laughs> Those three shows all had the same thing, which is, in my opinion, the question, have we all gone mad? Have we all gone mad? Have we all gone mad? Is, is the real villain the the rest of us? Right? Is the real villain just the fact that we're all going after each other all the time? And am I part of that problem? Because I look at Trump voters and I think, what the heck? How can you still be voting for this abusive person? Sure. Um, it, does that mean that I am just as bad as people that are saying that about Biden? It kind of messes with your perspective. Um, but I do. I look at Trump voters and I think, have you all gone mad? You know, and, and so when I see... Um, the, the contentiousness in traffic or out in the world or in our politics locally or when I look at the war in the Middle East, I, I think to myself, is this just a human – have we all just reached a boiling point somehow? And does that happen once every couple generations and we ha- end up with a world war because people have just lost their collective shit? <laughs> <laughs> you know – we're now we now we're now a cursing podcast, by the way. I've made, I've made oh the, really? <laughs> I've made the choice not to edit you anymore, Matt. Just so that's Ooh, going. I that's better mind going, my p's and q's. That's then. going in the uh, in the podcast. Uh, you know, one thing. Sorry, that, mom. One th- <laughs> yes, our moms are avid listeners. 
um, you know, I often I, I often think like the opposite approach. I I assume that everyone is smart, and that everyone is doing a thing based on. <laughs> Personal. It's personal. I'm not. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and and by doing that, I I think that like okay. So a person who makes a decision or makes a choice, I just can't even fathom. If we assume that they're smart for a moment, mm-hmm. then then smart from their from from their perspective, they believe that they're making an intelligent choice. Yeah. Then, then how do they like what logic do they put together? In order, in order to make that choice, right? So, say when it comes to MAGA voters mm-hmm. um, or, or diehard MAGA voters, like the thirty percent of the Republican Party who will vote, who will vote to, for, for Trump no matter what, you yeah. know, that's a huge amount. Like, I mean, this is why Trump's probably going to win um, the primary. The primary because like he just has such a huge base within the Republican Party, a base that like mm-hmm. is not going to vote for anyone else. And you're trying to see the intelligence in that. I'm trying to see like what like why like I mean obviously there's something he is doing that they just love that they mm-hmm. love and and maybe it has to do uh, partly with COVID right and how they were there maybe they felt like their rights got trampled on during COVID and that Trump is in your face about whatever he wants to do and they just, and they love that right but they were they were all in on Trump before COVID. Uh, you're right. I mean, I mean, COVID. Got, I mean, Trump got voted in 2016, right? So, like, obviously, that's something that's welling up in our. And he was already impeached pre-COVID, right? right. Yeah. I, do I have my timeline yeah. right? Yeah. And so people, and he had already said all the, uh, I'll say, poopy things. <laughs> he had already said all the poopy things pre-COVID, or not all of them, but he had already said like dozens and dozens. So, I, I don't think I think COVID like maybe exacerbated and supercharged it, perhaps. Yeah. 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 So that's so that's one component, um, but. Uh, but the other component is I think people are scared of change. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, people are un- inherently fearful of the political system. Uh, and they maybe don't understand it or they don't respect it or they don't want to. And they see Trump as sort of like the savior for them, like this guy that's not part of the political establishment doing it in his own way. And I think they just think that's great. Now, you said you try to see the intelligence of where you try to presume beginning that everyone is smart, but there's an end game to that process too. Right. I mean, if you see someone running headfirst into a concrete wall yeah, and bringing others along with them, you can say that initially, but eventually you have to reach a conclusion and say, no, that's not intelligent. Well, right. The, the real the real question is that like if you can kind of understand where they're coming from like you know really I, I don't think it's a question of intelligence I think it's a question of emotions I think that right. I think that these MAGA voters are they're getting like um, it feels good for them some kind of they're getting some mm-hmm. kind of good hit, like dopamine hit if you will yeah yeah uh, from hearing what Trump says on the news from hearing about him from what he's done like they're just there's mm, yeah, it feels it's good like, for yeah, them. we got those other yeah. guys. Yeah, but 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 like, why? I mean, like you know, this whole you know uh, own the libs sort of movement mm-hmm. that you that, um, yeah. that we're hearing about. You know, it's so important to them that the other side, and this is a, for them seems to be a binary equation, right? There's them, and then there's the others, and the others right. aren't people in different countries. The other is l- what kind of American are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that that dichotomy. For some reason, uh, it, it hits home for them, like, and mm-hmm. in an emotional way as well. Yeah. And so, like, you know, sometimes your intelligence is only as good as as how you, how you understand your own emotions, mm-hmm. 
right? And so if they're getting a good, like a good emotional hit from whatever Trump says on the, you know, in the media, which he's talking all the time, you yeah. know, so they're getting a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they don't they don't care what he or or or, or maybe even fully understand like what he's done or what he's doing currently. That I think makes him an abusive person and a really horrible idea for a president. Um, but uh, they that's what they like. Yeah. And so if we can like for me like I. I I sort of develop a sense of compassion when I can kind of understand why you like this. Like, what what's happening? Like, like why uh, why, why is this necessary for you? You know, and and why is like owning the lips so important to you and not just you know rooting for your favorite sports team, for example, <laughs> right? Or, yeah. or or hating the sports team you don't like. Mm-hmm. Another example, you know, like like your like your toxic behavior and your focus on this sort of a hateful agenda. Yeah. Why put so much energy into that? You are and you. And you have been like, what? What is driving that? And so that's that's where I try to come to because yeah. I feel like a like the person that's running themselves against the wall. I mean, the only way, one of the only few ways I think you can stop that is just literally grabbing the person and stopping them from doing it. But that doesn't. That's not a long term effective way of of managing that problem, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and I have to follow up with some level of compassion for mm-hmm. every person. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, that's sort of my process. Not that, I, and I, like I said, like I totally disagree with everything that they essentially represent, but they're human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to get to this conclusion somehow, and maybe there's some harm or hurt that happened to them. Yeah. And that's why they're in this position in the first place. Striking how, how 50-50 it is within the country. Like, it's uh, the, the people that are going to vote one way or the other. Um, I don't think anyone's expecting a landslide election. No. Right? right Everyone's right. saying whoever yeah. wins, it'll probably, it'll as far cl- as we know at close. this point, yeah. who knows what might happen tomorrow. But anyway, all, all that stuff I was bringing up in terms of that sense of has this world, you know, have we all gone mad? Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about... Israel and Hamas and how there's, yes. you know, there's all sorts of trouble going on. And you cited a statistic right before we began recording. Do you want to share that? Well, yeah. So, let's, I mean, let me just give you a quick, if you, in case you're not sure what's going on over there, I'll give you a quick update. So, essentially, uh, a few weeks back, there was a ceasefire where there was hostage exchange, which was very hopeful that, like, this yeah. is, the ceasefire would continue for a while, maybe even continue until the war was over, it was something that I was hoping for. Uh, um, that did not happen. The ceasefire collapsed, mm-hmm. uh, and we continue now with this war, uh, which is honestly one-sided. Uh, so essentially, uh, Israel is just bombing Hamas, or Gaza Strip, and, and attempts to, to bomb Hamas, and they now have troops within northern Gaza, and I believe they're now going to southern Gaza, and it's a pitched battle. Um, and while they're definitely killing lots of Hamas terrorists, they're also killing a lot more civilians at this point, as mm. we speak. You know, I, the numbers I looked at before, somewhere between seventeen to 18,000 Palestinians have oh now gosh. died in this conflict. Mm. 5,000 of them being children is a new statistic. Now, granted, this is statistics that are given to us by um, Hamas, okay. right? who, who are the, the official government of the Gaza Strip. Gotcha. So, I, but still, even 1,000, mm-hmm. even only 1,000, that's still 1,000 too many, yeah. right? Um, so... So, so this conflict is is getting is getting quite one sided, um, and Israel seems to uh, like really uh, wants to get these hostages back, but is you know got a few of them back, but there's still hostages there in in Gaza Strip, and they and they say they'll keep going until the hostages come home, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's now becoming a problem of like well. 
No, I don't have any. Nothing that I say will affect Israel policy, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so and they have every. I mean, they are of course struggling with the fact that they had this horrible thing happen to them on October seventh. Yeah. And so I feel like they're in the rights to protect their borders, um, but it's becoming more and more complicated about what they should be doing um, in the near future and to prevent Hamas um, from harming them again, but also that prevents them from killing more Palestinian civilians at the same time. Mm-hmm. The answer mm-hmm. is, of course, always complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the issues that's going on, which is fascinating me, and kind of goes into that uh, that category has the world gone mad that you mentioned earlier, is that like the conversation has really reached, I would say, a sort of peak height here in the U.S. over um, this war, mm-hmm. and it's gotten really intense. Like there are people, on, you know, I would say, just on both sides that are essentially yelling at each other about this conflict happening thousands of miles away. Yeah, the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip are obviously having a humanitarian crisis, and you know Israelis lost lots of lots of lives and and, and loved ones in their in that Hamas terrorist attack on October seventh, right? So like you know this isn't like there's nothing clear cut about this. Uh, so it is always it is complicated, of course, but the level of vitriol that and just sort of like hateful rhetoric that's been occurring here in the U.S. has just gotten seem to be higher and higher to a level where like I'm starting to I'm starting not to understand. Like, like, why? Like, what? I mean, because, you know, we have, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war going on at the same time. Yeah. And I don't hear much about that anymore. As, you know. Not like, as much. Not, anyway. Yeah, at least not uh-huh. as much. It's still happening, of course. But I don't hear much. I, a lot of the things that I see in here, especially as sort of, if, you look, if you look at my own sort of like Facebook or Twitter feeds, is this. Is this conflict. It's just taking over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it feels yeah. weird. But, but one of the things that it is, is absolutely doing is it's increasing both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia in our country drastically, drastically. So the statistic you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, so essentially, I think in the last, last podcast, I mentioned that last year in 2022, there's over 3,000 incidences of anti-Semitism that occurred in our country. Right. That was just in 2022. 3,000 over the course of the year. Yeah. And that was an epic record. Okay. There had never been that many recorded before by the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, mm-hmm. who's the organization that records this data. Right. Um, it's something that I work with, too. Like, if I witness or experience anti-Semitism here in Alaska, I report to the ADL. So okay. they have that to stick with them, too. Mm-hmm. So um, so just now, from, the, from essentially October 7th to December 7th, they just came out with their new data. And that two-month period, over 2,000 Incidences of anti-Semitism that has occurred mm-hmm. just in two months, which, which means like last year was a record. This year is going to be an epic record. And you said last year was an epic record. Do you yeah. know what the previous years were hovering around? Is three thousand was an epic record? So like so, t- t- for, for t- t- uh, two thousand and twelve, for example, ten uh-huh. years before that that tw- last year, um, the record or the, the number was around seven hundred. Oh my god! Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So just give you an idea of how how it's like hyping up. Right. Even before this, mm-hmm. but now this has happened. It's really hyped up. Right. And so this this record is a result of the rhetoric that we've been seeing in social media and the news coverage. Mm-hmm. Direct result. It, it creates what I, what I call an ecosystem of hate. Mm-hmm. Right. Where like, and the way that works is, is also somewhat complicated. Um, but essentially, you got people in the U.S. that just always hated. I would say Muslims and Jews, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. not necessarily the same people, but like, they're just out there. They hate whatever. But you know, you live in a society that's that you know that publicly is saying doesn't really tolerate 
expressions of hate. Yeah. Right? Like that. Like if they're saying anything openly, people will be like, no, you, you can't say that. That's hateful, right? That, that's mm-hmm. Islamophobic or that's anti-Semitic. Like, and they'd be, you know, they'd be checked in the public and public discourse, right? Yeah. Maybe they feel that way at home personally. They can say whatever they want to say at home. But in the public, uh, they're regulated just by, I would say, human decency. Or cowardice, but either way. Either yeah. way, either way, they're regulated. Yeah. Uh, but this sort of new ramped up discourse of, I would say, combination of anti-Zionism or 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 a combination of just saying like um, anti anti um, Palestinians, if you will, like the, the whole the whole argument that's occurring in in social media is having a real effect for both Muslims and Jews hmm. in this country. And it's it's not good, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you know, I'm personally, all, all I would like to do is sort of like cool the rhetoric down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, I mean, we are a country that's that's famously has spirited debates on things. Like I believe in that. I believe in debating. I, I I absolutely do. I believe in in an area where you can respect the person who you disagree with. Yeah. But that sort of modality is seems to be more rare. Yeah, because when you conflict. say when you say spirited debate, um, that's not what you see on television or in social media very often. What you'll more likely see is one side just bludgeoning uh, the opinions of another side who's not even present. Right. So yeah, you'll get yeah. like a, like a Sean Hannity type structure where it's just one guy talking on the camera about how crappy the other side is. Yeah. It's yeah. not a give and take. It's not a debate. It's a, I mean, it's more of a sermon in its own way, right? A hate filled political sermonette. And I don't see, when was the last time you saw a healthy debate about something either in traditional media or social media? I don't, uh, you know, I do see it. It's, it's there. It just doesn't get as much up upvotes huh. or, or clicks or, or whatever your hearts. I don't know whatever your social media does, but but mine uses duckies and bunnies. <laughs> right, right. I don't know which one's bad, which one's good, and that which one's up, which one's down. But no, yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's definitely there, but it's the hateful stuff that gets like the most uh, views. It gets yeah. the most. It it's becomes, sparkly and, becomes and explosive the, and becomes more viral. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so if you're in, if you're in to being viral, like if that's something that you want to do, which you know is the addiction of social media, yeah. then that's what you're gonna do. Did you see the video from the roundabout off Huffman Road from two nights ago, where a truck went? It was from underneath and up above the overpass. A truck went flying off, did a flip, and landed on its tires. The driver apparently is okay. No, I didn't see that at all. I bring it up because on social media, yes, (laughs) I didn't notice that when I brought it up. But of course, now I'm going to feel bad if that person's hurt. I'm sorry, whoever you are. Um, The the reason I bring it up at all is because I, I, from what I saw in the news, the driver's okay. But I bring it up because that social media post was shared a trillion times, right? Yeah. And I was scrolling through my feed. I saw it from 10 different sources. Boom, boom, it was everywhere. You're never going to see a social media post about, look at this guy. He used his turn signal before changing lanes right, appropriately. Right, right. Good job. Right? So when when there is a, a nice debate about something and people get along, social media isn't, isn't no just, one's going to see it. It's only going to lift up the one yeah, where they're yeah. like, oh, and, and you see the headlines are like, you know, this guy totally owns owns Republicans or totally shuts yeah, down yeah. AOC. And, you know, like yeah. it, it's all about who's smacking down the other and never about, whoa, they compromise beautifully. Well, and that's just the reality of social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the dark side, the downside of it. Right. And, like, the reality is that, like, if you're not Muslim, if you're not Jewish, if you're, I would say, a privileged individual, 
um, in this country, you're not going to necessarily feel uh, the de- how hard social media can be hmm. on, on people. Um, but if you, I mean, or like, you know, honestly, like for most, I think, teenagers, social media is both an amazing tool and a horrible one all at the same time. It's right. totally right. like a self-esteem destroyer. Or self-esteem booster. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I just yeah. feel like... Your kids are young enough. It's I don't envy you because who knows what's coming up. I know that Elizabeth and I parent in retrospect right now. And we're like, okay, were we too lenient on this screen yeah, time? Yeah. Were we not lenient on yeah, yeah, this other kind? And it's like, so hard to know. And, yeah, there's no playbook on this, I feel yeah. like. Or there are or, or there are ones that we're not know about them or we don't like them. I don't know. But, like, yeah. my, my wife and I definitely have, like, a very a very specific view on this kind of stuff that we're trying to figure out and we're hoping that we're right. We may not be. <laughs> right. It's so hard to know. But uh, but my, my, my point is is that like social media is, is what's driving uh, this increase of hate towards Jews and Muslims. This, this spike. And and it's driving it really one reason is because the, it's designed to do that. Yeah. Because it's designed to create viral media yeah. posts. And the... Those are the most viral happening right now. Yeah. So, so there you go. I mean, that's that's the problem. And like the reality is that like social media is just a thing. Like it's it's like we we we. I mean, we can hate it if we want. It's always going to exist in our lives. And so I I can't like just discount it or anything like that. All I can say is that like, hey, be careful what you say on there because your words may have more power than you intend on yeah. on stuff like that. Yeah. It is like like any other interaction but multiply the consequences by a hundred <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. it's rough i do try to hold myself to saying don't say anything on social media or post anything on social media you wouldn't also say after church during the refreshment hour right. with all the congregants right. around you know yeah, we call it oneg and, and, and so uh, yeah, right it's the yeah. exact same thing yeah, 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 yeah sometimes coffee hour or fellowship time different churches call it different things but it's the same basic deal and you know, I fail like anyone, but but I try to remember I'm here in the fellowship hall right now as I'm writing something in. And so if I wouldn't want the people in my church to see me behaving this way, then I shouldn't behave that way at all, regardless of Whoa. who's going to see me. And and they will because social media gets everywhere. But it's but it's just always a handy reminder, you know, like don't 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 act that way in one setting if you're not going to act that way in another but on the flip side, like I think social media is a beautiful tool in so many ways, mm-hmm. yeah. and a great a great place to have a soapbox. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that soapbox gets viral, and it does a lot of good. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. so like, I mean, there. I'm talking about like the dark side of social media, but, but there's a lot of good in social media as well. Well, let's uh, let's accentuate the positive. <laughs> and what are a couple of social media things? You, what you don't know that song? No, I don't get the reference. What the what? <laughs> All right, well, it's an old classic from, I don't know, like the 40s or something. It's a silly, like, I Frank's, wasn't around then. Sorry. Well, neither was I, you goon, but, uh, but I, you know, I study the history of pop culture, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's it's a famous song. I think Frank Sinatra covered it, but it was one yeah. of those ones that everybody covered at some point or another. Um, what are some of the positives you've seen in social media? You know, I think one thing social media does really well is that, like, it can convey information you didn't think of or he doesn't realize that you exist until some friend, like, pops something up on, on like, your feed, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, this is a great link. And then you look at it, like, oh, this is really good, you know? And yeah, so, yeah. like, you know, for, like, data mining, sometimes I will look through my social media feeds to see what my fellow friends have, have like, put up there. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, and it's really helpful. So a good example, I have a lot of friends who are seminary nerds or biblical yeah. scholars of some sort or another. And so I typed into the search field in Facebook, Gospel of Matthew, 
Uh-huh. And then it said show posts from, and I just clicked my friends, my pals, yeah, and it, and it boom, gave me boom. this great wealth of things that exactly <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, really yeah. that was pretty handy. But you know, I guess I guess for me, like my favorite social media is like I don't know. Before I go to bed, I just pop my like I have like a few people that I like, uh-huh. and I just like to watch them, and then um, and then I go to sleep. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? For sure, <laughs> so, like, for sure. And I find living as I do, you know, four thousand miles away from my nearest relative. It's wonderful to to see my nieces and nephews, yeah. even though it's not yeah. the same as hugging sure, them by sure. any means, or to see you know like oh so like yeah. why is my mom awake? It's four in the morning, but there she is. She's she's talking, and so you know like so it's it's hard, but it's nice that I can keep up to date on what my brother Bob in London was doing yesterday. That's that's rare in history. You know, no one else would have gotten to do that in right. history. Right, and so yeah, so there's that there's those benefits, and so as clergy. You know, Matt, you and I, we have to navigate it, right? Like it's, yeah. it exists. It's it's a reality. Um, it's going to exist, and uh, and it's it's part of our daily life, essentially. Um, so like so, trying to navigate it the, as someone who's Jewish is a little different than I feel like someone trying to help someone who's Christian, right? Sure. Um, or anyone other minority who tries to navigate it and recognizes that a lot of time, if their minority experiences a lot of hate, they're going to see that hate, and right at, right on their right at their faces, yeah, right there in front of them. Uh, Do you think that actually serves as a deterrent in your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I want to say good, right? Like, I, any deterrent, I'm happy for. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example of of where things get really sticky. Is that so? You know, so Elon Musk, of course, now owns famously owns Twitter and rebranded it as X. Yeah. Right. And uh, one of the things he also did is that he uh, he is less he has less moderation. When yeah. it comes to hateful speech, right? This is very harmful for Jews and right. other minorities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're watching sort of the hate speech on Twitter uh, sort of skyrocket, thanks to the lack of moderation. You know, and Elon Musk's stance is like this is all about free speech. You know, if you don't like all this hate, then say other stuff that's not hateful, like counter it. But Twitter, like most. Social media platforms are designed around being viral posts, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so those hateful, those hateful things go can go viral faster than anything they can that can mm-hmm. oppose it. Um, and so it's a it's a real conundrum. And and ironically, like Elon Musk is suing the Anti Defamation League for defamation. Yeah, right. And which is and the and the ADL, which is I think a, a very powerful and helpful organization, not just for. Uh, the the Jewish community, but for for combating hate in general, mm-hmm. um, is now struggling to uh, uh, w- with this right this idea that like that they're being essentially sued by one of the most richest men in the world yeah, um, yeah. Uh, because they're the ones that are saying hey uh, Elon Musk Twitter is now full of hateful speech and it's not good for humanity <laughs> right right uh, yeah that, that drives me batty when they pull the uh free speech card, because that's not what freedom of speech means, right? That's a constitutional thing about what the government can and cannot yeah, do. Yeah. In terms of, like, in a, you know, at somebody's house or in one of our houses of worship or on a social media platform, no one has free speech. The The, the people who run that entity have the right to tell you what you can and can't say or you should leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's not, not against the law. I mean, if someone came into my church and started using racial slurs, I would show them the door. Yeah. And that's not infringing on their freedom of speech. It's in freed. It's making them shut up when they're out of line. And those yeah. are different yeah. things. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's part of the conversation, too, is this under, is like misunderstanding what free freedom of speech is and what yeah. the First Amendment is. 
um, and uh, and how that works. I mean, I, I I'm I'm a big proponent of it, like and and more than just in government setting because I mean, free speech is the reason why us Jews have been so successful here in in the U.S. as compared to other countries. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like for example, 1940s Germany. <laughs> right, right. But if and that's why the free speech. Not not from the government, but from other sources, at least there should be pressure to limit what is said and what is yeah, acceptable, yeah. as you know, in that Overton window, so to speak. It's like yeah, yeah, uh, and like certainly moderation is important, really valuable, right? Yeah. Like you need to moderate um, any kind of social media to make sure that like the things like things that are hateful mm-hmm. are taken out. I mean, I mean, I, for example, I moderate our Facebook page, and yeah. I've definitely taken down numerous posts that were quite hateful, you yeah. know, and nothing nothing harmful. In terms of like our well-being, just hateful, right? So you know, yeah. there's that there's that level because of free speech, hate speech to like you know threats, mm-hmm. um, and so I've received nothing threatening on on our Facebook page. Well, just, that's good. Just stuff that's been yeah, essentially mm-hmm. yeah. So so I mean, it, so moderating is key, but but yeah, I mean, I, I, free speech is also really valuable and important too. And so I was, I mean, on this podcast I've said before, like you know, I'm really about I think counter speech. Is a really good yeah. idea, but counterfeit is much harder when it comes to likes and things going viral, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. how do you counter a viral post that's super hateful? It's hard. It's harder. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because um, also, to some, in some ways, engaging it can sometimes just shine a spotlight on it more. But and but, counter speech, if a, if a counter comment is gonna go viral, probably so will the post that it was countering. Well, uh, often counter posts don't go viral yeah. to the original post. Yeah. Right. And so you see the original hateful post, and th- the counter posts no one's looking at. Right. So yeah. you're not necessarily mm-hmm. countering it then. It's just right. up there, out there, seen by a lot of people without any kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now what I like is like. Twitter and other websites have put have now kind of put like disclaimers on the on the actual like whatever it is the, the remark sometimes saying this is many people have claimed that this is hateful or whatever you see yeah. that once in a while that's that's great that's essentially that's essentially social media's answer to free speech right they let the thing stay but they but they themselves put a disclaimer on it yeah yeah which is not you know. That's weird. It's it's like if someone came to my house, I'm like, see all this giant pile of rotten garbage in the living room? We're just going to sit around it and talk tonight. Just ignore that giant <laughs> pile of rotten garbage yeah. in my house. I, I, I wish I did a little bit more, but I think it, it's, a, it's, it's a, a decent compromise. Do you? Yeah, I really do because, you know, you see that comment and then you see that thing right under them that you can't not see. Yeah. Uh, let's do it. That's countering it, essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I, I'm I'm I remain unconvinced. <laughs> <laughs> I think on a thing like that, how hard is it to just say, "No, nah, you're <laughs> just take it, take you're it being out. a racist, go away," yeah, and yeah. just shut them down um, and make it less and less convenient for them to say crap like that? Yeah. Hmm. It, I don't know. Like I, honestly, like sometimes I agree with when Samia says, "Hey, we're just the town square, right? You can't you can't moderate the." T- the town square, you can only moderate the people who are in the town square. Um, I don't yeah. disagree with that metaphor. You know, what Twitter is just a tool. Facebook is a tool. Instagram, they're all tools. Um, and it's the people and the culture that mm-hmm. affects what's being said. So if you, if we live in a society that absolutely does not tolerate sort of hateful speech, then those, those comments would not go viral. Yeah. I don't buy that. Yeah. I don't buy that because that's part of what creates the culture. 
Yeah, it's so. I mean, you're not wrong. You know, in some ways, yeah. uh, Twitter or or social media in general, it's like the air between you and me. It's just the mode of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, well, I guess that's arguing in favor of your yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. <laughs> but but if we are, but we do regulate it. Like we regulate what can be on the broadcast waves, right? We say no certain words and no certain acts on TV. And remember when, like, you're too young, probably the TV the TV movie, um, the day after about nuclear war. Like they, it was this in the mid to early eighties, a movie about the, the nuclear war happens and what happens the day after. And it was terrifying, but they had for days ahead of time, don't let your kids watch this. Oh, yeah. Or if you do make sure you sit down afterwards and discuss with them, cause it's going to knock the crap out of them, which it did. People my age are still dealing with the scars <laughs> of that movie. Oh no. Yeah. yeah so they, sorry to hear they that. They showed a horse. Maybe that's why there's so many MAGA voters. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Anyway, um, so we do regulate it, right? Yeah. We and if someone went on TV like they used to do on TV, if someone uh, like like went streaking across a baseball game, they point the cameras away. They're like, "You're not gonna, you're not allowed to do that on our airwaves." I think Twitter and Facebook and all the others need to be regulated that same way. And if we see someone out there with a Nazi flag as their uh, you know profile picture, they're just gone. Well, this conversation is is uh, a long one, and and one that yeah. that, that that these social media platforms have had before. And one of their arguments of against it is that they say there's just so much out there. And a lot of it is sort of like on the cusp. We don't have technology that can instantly understand yeah. what's what's decent, what's appropriate, but and you know what's why, not. You know why I call bull hockey on that? I, I got to oh, censor myself ho- now. because bull hockey? Is that even a thing? <laughs> horse hockey. I'm, I'm turning into Colonel Potter from MASH. Um, is this why you took that censorship off? Just to see what you Because would do. of this conversation? <laughs> you were like, we're going to talk about free speech. I better not believe him anymore. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I'm enough to watch you struggle not saying curse words, man. It's, it's great. So far, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's really flipping great. <laughs> I totally forget what I was going to say. Oh, the reason I call BS on what you just said, that the technology isn't up there, is because, yeah, it is. And yeah, it was before Musk took over and fired all the programmers and all the moderators and and undercut all the programming. Yeah. We have AI that can write everything and read everything. And the AI could very easily say, well, there's something racist. And, and it well, wouldn't be hard. I mean, to your to your point, since AI has really been only, I would say, a part of our national conversation for like the last year or so, a lot of the things that we I've been talking about have been part of the conversation for the last 10 years, right? Well, yeah, so, but if you look at Twitter uh, two weeks before Musk took over and two weeks after, the amount of hate speech was already spiking. So there are there are definitely levers to be pulled to fix it. He's, yeah. he's just choosing not to. He just doesn't want to. Because he likes the same reason that things go viral. He likes the, the spiciness. He wants it to be a crazy place because that makes him feel more powerful, I think. Certainly is a chaos agent in this yeah, for sure. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna solve these things, but I do have two items to bring to you before we, we wrap it up probably in the next few minutes here. Sure. Um two potential things that maybe we can partner up on to do in our community. One is sad and one is not sad. Okay. The sad one first. I've been reaching out to a handful of different entities um, that work within our homelessness services and communities to see if we ought to do some type of remembrance for the people who have passed away this last year yeah. while outdoors yeah, because of homeless. Sorry to interrupt you, but just want to, for anyone who's not in Alaska or yeah, in Anchorage right now, I think the number is now past 50 yes. people have passed away while unhoused here yeah. in Anchorage in the last year, which is an astronomical number compared to the years before. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the winter, we're only, I mean, officially winter begins next week, right? But, I mean, the, we're not through our cold season by a long shot yet. And so I'm thinking toward the end of that cold season, uh, cold weather season, perhaps we ought to provide that. Because the entities I've reached out to to say, with all the death that has been seen and experienced and felt, maybe we should have a service of remembrance like a like a funeral Covenant House had an outdoor candlelight vigil. It was lovely, um, but that was for a specific younger community. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't so much a, I mean, it was brief because it was outdoors and very cold that day. And it was part of their sleep out night. So it was only a part of the night. I would, I think maybe we ought to do something more intentionally focused in general and, and with a real specific point of highlighting the humanity of them. Because yeah. if someone who's really wealthy dies tomorrow, they're going to have a big structured service that people come to and sing and remember. And if you're not wealthy, you don't necessarily have that. And that's not right. You're not know? right. You're right. And yeah. so so let's let's think on that. And as we approach maybe late February, mid-March, it might be something we can we can coordinate yeah, so for the community. Just keeping that ear eyes open about that, folks, yeah. so that we're working on something like that. Um, and and if anyone out there wants to share ideas with us on how to make that good and meaningful, I'd certainly love to hear ideas. Idea number two, which has yeah. got more of a flavor of joy. Are you familiar with the Broadway show that just wrapped up here at the pack, um, Come From Away? Yeah, I'm aware. I'm, I didn't see it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. My good golly, I wish you had seen it. <laughs> It's I'm sorry, on. I've got small children, man. I know. Do Give you, me a while before I see things like that. Do you have Disney Plus? Yes. It's on. Oh, cool. They have, uh, kind of like they do with Hamilton, they they did a live recording of uh, one of the Broadway shows. Right. And I think also some of it is intercut with when there was no audience. Like if they had to get close-ups, they would. They did a run-through with no audience too, I think. Um, in fact, the one they recorded was the first day back after COVID shutdowns. So the first returning Broadway audience oh, was, cool. was to the show they recorded. So that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. So Come From Away, if you're not familiar with it, y'all is um, set in a, a large airport in a tiny island off the coast of Newfoundland um, in a town called Gander. This airport used to be a gigantic international airport back in the days when you had to refuel on a transatlantic flight. Uh, so they would go to the furthest northeast tip of North America, land in Gander at this huge airport, refuel and then skip on over to Iceland or England or wherever they were landing and uh, that way it's less time I can't even picture like a refueling stop on a flight Matt right they had to stop that's just never to get... happened to me before we are so lucky right <laughs> and so now I don't know if it's possible but probably most places can make it to the other end of the earth without refueling right yeah. most, most major airlines so they used to have to refuel there and so there's history in the town of like when the Beatles came to the U.S. for the first time, that's they landed there. That was their Whoa. first stop in North America. Uh, the Queen of England stopped there. Fidel Castro stopped there. Like all these major heads of state, the presidents, I'm sure, did. Um, they would always stop there. And then technology continues going by and planes no longer have to stop to refuel. They're going straight from New York to London. Gander's giant airport suddenly is sitting empty. Yeah. So there's this little town with about six, 7,000 people in it, an enormous airport that sees very little use. Once in a while, something comes through or, or smaller planes for local things. Then, in the story that's being told in the show, it's September 11, 2001. And uh, the tragedy takes place and the planes hit the towers. And one of the first things that happens is they shut down all the airspace in the U.S. And anything in the air has to be diverted to a different spot. And people are like, well, there's this giant air 
port up in you know rural Canada that that is that could be used, and so they divert. I think the number in the show they quote is 38 giant planes full of passengers landing Gander, a town of 7,000 people, suddenly had 7,000 guests. Wow. And so the show is about how does this small town adjust and uh, embrace all of these people and how do they show hospitality and care for them, not only in general in your typical small town way of, hey, we got casseroles, come on in, we know, welcome guests, which is – a lot of small towns are like that, but how do you do that in the context of a world crisis? Mm-hmm. And and all the people on the planes, it's it's kind of pre cell phones or early days of cell phones, and so not everyone can call out, and most of the people on the planes didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't let them off the planes for security reasons for the first many 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 hours. I think they said more than twenty four hours for a lot of them were wow. still on the plane on the tarmac, and they didn't know why. Wow. Then the story goes on and about how the various people respond and react and find hope and find joy <laughs> even in the midst of this horribleness. Are, are we getting a commercial for this for this off Broadway show right now? I can go on and on. <laughs> and and the beautiful thing about the play is so my wife Elizabeth, after we see something we love, we'll do a deep dive on it online and find out how much of it was true and what are the actors like yeah, and who yeah, wrote it. Yeah, she yeah, learns yeah. all about it. Like ninety nine percent of the show is true to oh, fact cool. and hundred percent accurate. Uh, they didn't break out into dances and songs all the time. Oh, but, you know. I know. We should have more often in real life. That but it was cool. very, very real. The reason I bring all this up, it's on Disney+. Plus. We have a really good sound and video system here in the building. I want to do some sort of community event where we watch it and Ooh. then also discuss it, too. Kind of like a book group, but instead of a book, a movie. Yeah. And we could say we're going to show it from like 6 o'clock to 7.30. And then we're going to talk about it from 7.30 to 8.30. If you've already seen it, just show up at 7.30 just for the talking part or whatever I said. Um, what do you think? Do you think you would want to bring a group to that? Yeah, People listening, it. let us know if that would let's be of interest to you. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I feel like it's very meaningful and fun at the same time. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. that's a hard line to find, you know, both sides of sometimes. Yeah, also, you know, we, there's, I mean, our, our biggest, our next Jewish holiday is Purim, which isn't until, like, I think April, I think. I always link it with... No, maybe March. I think it's March. I always yeah, link it with St. Patrick's Day because yeah, there yeah. was an SNL sketch where they so, did a whole bunch of jokes. So we have, I'm just saying that we have a lull of programming right now. Yeah. So we okay. can use some more programming. We would, I think it's going to be really exciting to try. Let's look... Yeah. Let's see if we can if we can do that. I'm away for a chunk of time in there. Yeah. Well, well, we don't need to go over our calendars <laughs> while you listen. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. You're still here? <laughs> Sorry. We didn't see you there, listeners. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I think so, we're gonna sign off now. I, there was a moment there. I honestly <laughs> forgot we were we were recording. I think I need a nap, man. That's a- <laughs> All right. Well, we've gotten this far. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We do appreciate uh, it. Thank yes. You. Uh, we hope you have a good holiday season. As we're recording this, tonight's actually the last night of Hanukkah, FYI. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't wish you happy Hanukkah. We have a full Hanukkah slash menorah going on tonight Yay. when we celebrate. Uh, so I want to wish everyone happy holidays and uh, just take care of yourself. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>